Hey there, future friends! This week we visit our family for a gay old time, and we travel to another country just to meet our match. Again. This is the week of December 11th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 188 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right it is the second show in a row i'm doing it this is a momentous occasion and uh, you know what i couldn't have got here without the help of all of you so thank you two episodes in a row i i never thought i would see the day well joking aside we have another great episode for you as we have our usual stuff our usual covid future flex with billiam and we're having another slight change to things because I, I changed the episode in a way that I think is very beneficial, that I think a lot of you will like, especially if you miss the old way the show used to work. So what we're going to do is we are going to do the normal things like start out with the news. And that is any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we are going to talk about trailers, any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. As always, if I miss something, let me know. Twitter or Instagram are usually the best way to uh, hit me up. That's Billiam SWN on either platform. You can also follow my bookstagram account, Reading Rainbill. But hit me up and tell me if you want me to talk about a special news story or a trailer. But after those two things, we then jump into the movies. And first, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to you about the movies coming to streaming. Those are movies that you can watch right away on February 11th. Well, I mean, you can watch them on February 11th, but what I meant to say is Friday the 11th, December 11th, that is, because it's on streaming. It's on streaming on some of the bigger platforms. So yeah, you can watch it any day, including February 11th. So we're going to talk about those new movies. I'm not going to go as in-depth as I used to on the old show because I don't want this to be an hour and a half, two-hour show. I mean, let's let's be honest, though. Would you listen or can you only stand my voice for just a certain amount of time? And do you notice whenever I mention my voice, I purposely go deeper. I purposely go deeper with my voice. But that aside, we're going to talk about the movies coming out on streaming this week. And then we're going to talk about two movies that I mentioned last week. Those movies are The Princess Switch Switched Again. That is the newest movie in the Princess Switch series. Are they going to go with a trilogy just like the prin- a Christmas Prince did? probably is a christmas prince stopping at three probably not they do well and after that we're going to talk about happiest season that's on hulu so the princess movie is on netflix this one's on hulu and then we wrap it all up with the question of the week so my future friends without further ado let us jump into the first segment which as always is the news this just in from hollywood the news And don't worry, I'm going to talk about the massive Spider-Man news that has dropped since the last episode, but I'm going to talk about all the other stories first, because actually, as I'm speaking, as I'm recording this, more news is coming out. So if you don't hear certain news parts mentioned about this Spider-Man story 
in this episode, it's probably because it released after I recorded it, and thus I will talk about it the next week. But so far, we do have a, a quite a bit of other stories. In sad news, actor Warren Berlinger, who was in media like Happy Days, Cannibal Run, and Blue Denim, died at the age of 83. In news by Giant Freaking Robot, The Chosen One is no longer The Chosen One. Letitia Wright, as you heard, or may have heard, sparked a lot of outrage after sharing some anti-COVID-vax-related uh, tweets with the defense of that a lot of people are saying that, oh, this was rushed so much that, oh, c- can it possibly be safe? Because, you know, f- science, because this f***ing actor and all these other mouth-breathing morons somehow know more about science. The good news for the next Black Panther movie is that this probably isn't a big enough fuck-up to cost her the role. But if she has stupid ideas like this, she better keep her mouth shut until the next film and until the series is done. But if this was just a one-time thing of idiocy, then yeah, sure, whatever. Keep keep jacking your jaw, whatever. In news from The Hollywood Reporter, they reported that Jeremy Irons has been added to the cast of Ridley Scott's new movie, Gucci. This is where he's going to be starring alongside Lady Gaga. This movie is, quote, a fashion-focused true crime drama based on the book The House of Gucci, a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed. And this will focus on the murder of Maurizio Gucci, founder of Gucci. I would make a Gucci main joke, but I really don't know who he is. So uh, that's why I didn't jump at that obvious joke. This next story is very complicated, so I'm going to give you the bare bones of it. And if you care more about it, uh, look into it. This story comes to us from a couple places like The Playlist and YouTuber Philip DeFranco. Legendary Pictures wants to prevent Warner Brothers from debuting Godzilla vs. Kong and Dune on HBO Max. Uh, apparently, and this according to U- YouTuber and beautiful bastard Philip DeFranco, who did his own research, so I'm shamelessly stealing it, executives outside of Warner were not notified of this and found out with the rest of the world. Also, Gal Gadot has a clause in her contract for Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman is involved in all this because it's hitting HBO Max Christmas Day, the same day it's being released in whatever theaters are still open. So Gal Gadot, and if I said Gadot earlier, it's Gadot. Gal Gadot has a clause in her contract stating a $10 million payday, which comprises of a back-end component that would have taken effect only when the movie earned a certain dollar amount at the box office. At this point, it's uncertain if HBO will have to pay this out no matter what, because it's unclear if the fact that's being released on streaming, thus hindering how much money it could make in the theaters, if that is going to break some sort of clause in the contract. That is too early to tell, but also Legendary is is um, going to attempt to sue, I believe, And the hard thing with this is that I can see both sides of this argument. I I really can. I can see that Legendary Pictures and all these other non-Warner Brothers, non-HBO Max companies are very upset with this because it is taking away possible butts in seats, possible ticket purchases from their movie. Especially during COVID, if you see that, oh, hey, if I just pay for HBO Max, I can watch these movies free with the service, not an extra amount like when Mulan was released early on Disney+. Plus. If I pay this amount, which if there's at least two of us in the household is cheaper than a movie ticket or two movie tickets, if I pay this, I don't have to leave the house and I don't have to drive to whatever theater is open near me. I can eat whatever I want here. I can get as blitzed as I want because I am not in public. This has nothing but benefits. 
So I see that. I see how it's a good thing that HBO Max is helping more people watch this film who may not want to go out, but also it's hindering how much money they can make. And especially with COVID being a thing, especially with some of the bigger theater companies being closed, the amount of money they can even possibly get is going to be so limited. I mentioned last week that Anne had said a Viola, a Viola Davis movie that was coming out was only coming out in seven theaters, but this is Wonder Woman. So any theater that's going to be open is going to be carrying this movie, and that's still going to be nowhere near it where it would have been non-COVID. Because this really is a tricky situation. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week, but when Warner Brothers and HBO Max announced this news, it was stated that this was only going to be a one-year deal. And in a previous episode, the same YouTuber, Philip DeFranco, said something that I, I fully agree with, where he said that if this turns out to be really good for HBO Max and Warner Brothers, they may not want to stop and may keep going into 2022, 2023, and so on. But if we are going to believe what was already stated, what has been stated, then this is only a one-year thing, so maybe it's not the worst, but we will see. And if you don't already watch his videos, I would check out Philip DeFranco. It's Philip with one L, DeFranco, just like it sounds. And Anne piped up, and Simply Nailogical, uh, Christine, who's actually friends with uh, Philly D. Uh, just check it out. Our next story comes to us from IndieWire. George Lucas says that the decision to give up control of his iconic space franchise if you can guess, that's Star Wars, remains very, very painful. He believed Disney was going to give him a little bit more say, and in response to that, I'm wondering if he saw the criticism of the prequel movies. Maybe Disney saw the criticism of the prequel movies and went, nah, we'll do our own thing. But remember, folks, Star Wars has probably one of the most toxic fandoms I've ever seen. And no, I'm not saying everyone that's part of the fandom is toxic. I'm just saying there are a lot of toxic people out there. And so when the prequels were coming out, we hated them. Oh, we hate these prequels. We only like the we only like the old movies. And then Disney was releasing theirs like, oh, we hate these. We like the prequels and we like the other ones. Anything George Lucas did. So I bet you when Star Wars gets its next trilogy, which is supposed to be a non-Skywalker trilogy, when that releases, I bet you people are going to say, oh, we love the Skywalker series, even the last three. We hate these new things because we're big bitches and our diapers are full of shit. All right, my future friends, it is time to talk about the Spider-Man news and there's a lot to unpack. So according to Variety and every other fucking outlet out there, we know that Alfred Molina is reprising his role as Doc Ock in the upcoming upcoming third Spider-Man movie. He joins Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, who has already been announced, and Jamie Foxx as Electro. Though if this is to be believed, we believe that Jamie Foxx is playing a different Electro. So he's going to be playing the Electro from the MCU universe. And right now it is believed that Doc Ock is going to be playing the same Doc Ock from that universe because he died in the Tobey Maguire universe. I'm actually really pumped about the Alfred Molina news because his Doc Ock, even though they changed his character, it was really good. So here's the thing. As I was making my show notes, there was more news coming out that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Kristen Dunst... Uh, and Emma Stone were reportedly returning as well, but those have not been confirmed until it was confirmed that Andrew Garfield is indeed returning. So now that opens up a whole bunch of possibilities because originally, what do we think? We thought they were going for a Sinister Six movie. It makes a lot of sense because Mysterio, Dr. Octopus, Vulture, and Electro have all been part 
of the Sinister Six. So Mysterio, dead, but who knows? He could not be dead and could come back. It could be part of a ploy. Doc Ock, we know he's coming back. Electro, we know he's coming back. Vulture, already in the series. Now, mind you, there are a lot of different villains who have come in and out of the Sinister Six, but some of them have really stayed constant. If they're going to go with the original Sinister Six, then they need Sandman and they need Kraven the Hunter. So here's where the question comes in. Are they going to go for a Sinister Six movie? And here's my thought on what they should do. Are they going to come out with a Sinister Six movie? Which would kind of suck because they'd have to just throw in the people they haven't introduced yet and just bank on the fact that us nerds would know and thus we would tell our non-nerdy friends who are seeing this movie what the fuck's up. So either way, people are going to be a little confused. So are they going to do a Sinister Six movie or are they going to lead up to it? Thus, whatever happens in three will lead to four, which is going to be the full-on Sinister Six. Or will we see the Sinister Six and Spider-Verse will be teased at the end? Thus, all those people I mentioned, the uh, two other Spider-Men and um, the other Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. Thus, are they going to only show up at the end after whatever big battle finishes this? And then once that happens, we're going to see this and then we're going to have a Spider-Verse movie as the next one. So there's this guy on TikTok named Straw Hat Goofy, who I think is absolutely fantastic. He's super smart about movies. He loves movies. He loves nerdy stuff, comics, uh, movies, everything. And he talks a lot about it. But he brought up a good point, saying that should they throw so much into this movie because historically they can't do a third movie. It's either like the Tobey Maguire one, where it's clearly the worst one in the series, or it's like the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield where they just lose it and they never finish it. I know that one response to that is that, well, no, it's movies don't work like that. It's all about that particular crew, that particular movie and everything that goes into that. So it's not about the number three has nothing to do with it. But also the question is, are they doing too much? Are they going to make it a super convoluted movie? And you know what? I just hope not. But it also seems like Disney saw what happened with Into the Spider-Verse, saw that it's clearly one of the best comic book movies ever made and went, oh, you know what? We should do that in a live action movie to make all the money. But my future friends, only time will tell. And that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. That's the wrong show from the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. And then we'll jump right back with the trailers. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, welcome back to the show. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my future friends, this first movie is coming out on July 21st, 2021. Uh, Right now, I don't know if it's going to be a theatrical release or if it's going to come out to VOD or streaming, but... You'll know when it's time for that episode. This movie's called The Marksman, and it's about a rancher on the Arizona border who becomes the unlikely defender of a young Mexican boy desperately fleeing the cartel assassins who pursued him into the U.S. This stars Liam Neeson, that's right, from the Taken series, 
and it looks okay. Liam Neeson is finally looking his age. Uh, he looks like he can still easily just write my death certificate, but he is looking older. So I'm glad he's playing a character that isn't trying to be super young, like he's still not playing his characters from Taken and everything like that. But this also looks like just a basic action thriller. And even though I can't think of a movie like this right off the top of my head, it just feels done before. How many times have we seen the cartel or a cartel? And there's not like one cartel, a cartel as as the bad guy. But I get it. The cartel is just like Nazis or just like any uh, or just like terrorists, any other bad guy that you can kill in a movie without hesitation. And people will be like, oh, yeah, that's fine, because we can separate terrorists from people from the Middle East. We can separate the cartel from other Mexicans. We can separate Nazis from Germans. So it's it's this there are these separate entities of evil that we can just murder in movies and games and books and comics. And it's fine because guess what? They deserved it, probably deserve worse. But I wish they did something different with this. I wish that the bad guys instead of the cartel, or maybe the cartel is in it, but were some of those homegrown yokel border patrol people who aren't actually border patrol. They're just a bunch of inbred white guys with guns that are just driving around the border. I kind of wish the bad guys were them because then the movie could still be interesting, but also be making a statement. But I know, I know, you don't have to say anything. Not every movie has to make a statement. I, I just wish this one did. Because then it would do something to set it apart from any other action thriller. All right, my future friends, let's wrap that movie up and talk about the next trailer. One for the Marutanian, which the only reason I knew how to say this name is because at the end of the trailer, they make a point of saying it. So God bless you, whoever worked on that trailer. And you know what? I think this is one of those movies I'm never going to watch. Not because it looks bad. This actually looks quite good. But because of the topic. This is about a detainee at the U.S. military's Guantanamo Bay Detention Center. And he is held without charges for over a decade and seeks help from a defense attorney for his release. This movie comes out February 19th, 2021 and stars... Jodie Foster, Benedict Cumberbatch, Shailene Woodley, Zachary Levi, and uh, one of the main characters, a guy that plays the person detained at Guantanamo, is someone I've never heard of, Tahar Rahim. And you know what? I, I've i read books about Guantanamo Bay. I have no interest in watching this just because it's going to make me angry. Because when it comes to Guantanamo, America was so clearly the bad guys. We were in the wrong on this. This movie is based on a true story, and quite a few people at Guantanamo were held for the better part of a decade, some of them even more, without ever having a trial and being tortured at this place. And there's so many people there who did nothing wrong because the, the U.S. and in our infinite wisdom leafed parts of Afghanistan and other countries down there with these flyers saying, hey, if you know anything, we could give you a shit ton of money for turning anyone in. So people are turning their neighbors, people they didn't like, just for the money. And instead of vetting them and going, oh, you obviously had nothing to do with this. We're like, okay, we'll hold on to you, treat you like shit, never give you a trial or wait years to give you a trial. And then maybe one day release you with a big you. This movie looks wonderfully acted. It looks like it's going to be a really, uh, just a really powerful movie that I don't want to watch. 
And I'm sorry if it seems close-minded of me, but I, I've read more than I want to about this. I, I know enough to know that we were clearly in the wrong, that people's lives were ruined because of this, that we are the monsters in this situation. So if you do watch this movie, let me know what you think. All right, my future friends, next up is a much happier movie called The Dig. This is also based on a true story, but um, a happier true story. This is a Netflix original movie coming out January 29th about an archaeologist who embarks on the historically important excavation of Sutton Hoo in 1938. This stars Rafe Fiennes, Carrie Mulligan, Lily James, and uh, probably other people. Johnny Flynn, I think that's a name. And it looks good. And the fact that it's a Netflix movie makes it even better because you can just watch it at home. And this seems to be about this archaeologist who is asked to come to this person's house or, you know, estate or whatever, because she thinks she found something. And he excavates something of apparently historical importance, but it's in the United Kingdom in 1938. Guess what is happening during 1938? That's right, World War Dose, and they have to get this excavated before shit gets bombed. Of course, there's a love story. There's two love stories, in fact, between Ray Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan and Lily James and Johnny Flynn. And this looks like a fine historical drama. So once again, coming out on Netflix, January 29th. And finally, my future friends, we have the final trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 coming to theaters and HBO Max on December 25th. And I'm not going to say much about this because we've been watching trailers for this for a while. What I am going to say is that this was probably not the best final trailer. Normally trailers, final trailers for movies like this give you one more great scene. They recut a lot of the previous trailers, give you one more really juicy piece to get you excited. But this one didn't. Don't get me wrong, I still really want to watch this. I'll watch it sometimes in, sometime in January on HBO Max. I'm still really excited for it, especially to see Kristen Wiig. But what still really bothers me is, that, is the fact that they took her sword away from her because she's a woman. And it really doesn't shock me. Which is sad that we're not beyond bullshit like this. Oh, the sword's too violent and she's a woman. Well, she's a f***ing warrior princess, you inept tools. Jesus Christ, give her a f***ing sword back. Uh, but anyway, enough about that. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. I'll be right back with the movies coming out on streaming this week. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Alright my future friends, welcome back. Like I said, we're going to go over these movies quicker than I normally would on a normal episode of the show. So let's start with Safety on Disney+. Plus. This is rated PG. And quick reminder, these all come out on Friday, Friday the 11th. Uh, safety is a drama inspired by the empowering story of former Clemson University football safety Ray McElrathby a young man facing a series of challenging circumstances whose dedication and persistence help him to triumph over repeated adversities. 
Aided by his teammates and the Clemson community, he succeeds on the field while simultaneously raising and caring for his 11-year-old brother, Famar. This stars Jay Reeves from The Tax Collector, James Badge Dale from 13 Hours, Matthew Glave from Argo, Brent Rice from Sully, Corinne Fox from 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, and introducing as a younger brother, Thaddeus J. Mixon. Next up, we have a Netflix movie called Canvas. This is a nine-minute-long animated short, rated G. This tells the story of a grandfather who, after suffering a devastating loss, is sent into a downward spiral and loses his inspiration to create. Years later, he decides to revisit the easel and pick up the paintbrush, but he can't do it alone. I can't find vocal casts for this film, which hopefully is a good thing, which means they got, you know, actual voice actors to do stuff. Next up, we have Giving Voice on Netflix, rated PG-13, coming in at an hour and 27 minutes. This is a documentary that follows the annual August Wilson monologue competition and the thousands of high school students who enter the competition for an opportunity to perform on Broadway. And finally, we have the two biggest movies of the week. We have I Am Your Woman on Amazon Prime, rated R, coming in at two hours. This is set in the 1970s. It's a crime drama about a woman forced to go on the run after her husband betrays his partners in crime, sending her and her baby on a dangerous journey. This stars Rachel Brojnin, Brojnin, I think from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and Marsha Stephanie Blake from The Laundromat. And finally, a movie coming out on Friday that Anne and I are going to watch right away, and I'm going to talk about it on the next episode. It's called The Prom, coming out on Netflix, rated PG-13, coming in at 2 hours and 10 minutes. A troupe of hilariously self-obsessed theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom, but is unable to. Because basically, the school board or the town or both is just full of bigots who say, no, we can't have gay people at the prom. You might you might spread the gay, and we might catch the gay. And I don't want to catch the gay. So with the help of these theater stars that swarm into the city, they have another prom that's more open than the shitty one the school is going to throw anyway. And this one actually have a, a full cast. This stars Meryl Streep, and let's go way back. Let's go to Out of Africa from her. James Corden, who you should know from Gavin and Stacey, but you probably know from The Late Late Show. Nicole Kidman from Batman Forever. Carrie Washington from The Hateful Eight. Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele. Andrew Rannells from The Intern. Tracy Ullman from The Tracy Ullman Show. And as the two girls, relative newcomers, Ariana DeBose and Joe Ellen Pellman. And you know what? I'm f***ing stoked for this. It's a comedy, it's a drama, it's a musical, it's all up my alley, and I cannot wait. Alright, my future friends, let us jump into the movies we had to watch for this week. And it's a very Christmassy week, that's right, we have The Princess Switch, switched again on Netflix, and Happiest Season on Hulu. Let us start with The Princess Switch, switched again. So both of these are movies that came out this year. If you haven't seen the first Princess Switch movie, watch it, it's so cute. I mean, it's very, very predictable. Even cheesy at times, but come on, it's a Christmas season. If you can't enjoy that, then I question if you can enjoy anything. In this sequel, when Duchess Margaret unexpectedly inherits the throne to Montanaro and hits a rough patch with Kevin, it's up to her double, Stacy, to save the day before a new lookalike party girl, Fiona, foils their plans. This stars Vanessa Hudgens three times, Sam Palladio from Nashville, Nick Sager from The Haves and the Have-Nots, 
Mark Fleischman, I think, from Wolf Blood, which I guess is a BBC show, and Sue Ann Braun from Stargate SG-1. She's been in other things, but when I see someone from Stargate, I have to say they're from that. She played the system lord Hathor. Yay! So Netflix is slowly becoming a better Hallmark. Because we all know Hallmark does these very cheesy, very laughable movies. And their biggest season is Christmas. Because like I've said so many times, the best time of year for these cheesy, predictable, and quite honestly very basic movies is the Christmas season. Because we're watching stuff. We just want something to remind us that it's this happy season. Because let's be honest, you can just watch movies like Die Hard and Batman Returns. But come on, switch it up a bit. Ha, see what I did there? But Netflix is really upping their game because they did the the Christmas Prince movies. There's three of them now. And those are very cheesy, very predictable, just like the Princess Switch movies. But they're so much fun. I just enjoy myself watching these. And I, I 100% guarantee you that at least one of these movies in on the Netflix Christmas original list will make you smile. Unless you just have a heart of coal, in which case I'm sorry, I can't help you. But the Princess Switch sequel is, in my opinion, simultaneously better and not as good as the first one. I prefer the first one as a movie. But what I liked about the second movie is that it just got right to it. They could just jump right into it because we knew who all the characters were. We knew that Duchess Margaret was from Montanaro, this another fictional country. On quick aside, uh, and just let me know, that is now officially confirmed that Tobey Maguire, Emma Stone... And Kirsten Dunst are now officially joining the cast along with Andrew Garfield of uh, Spider-Man 3. So, yay! Okay, back to Princess Switch. We know that Stacy is from America. She was a baker. And she ended up falling for the prince that Margaret was supposed to marry. So this movie did just get going, which I liked. And the first Princess Switch movie and this one never let you forget it's Christmas. Like, all over the place. In every scene, there's something. There's something Christmassy, be it just a wreath in the back or a full-on Christmas tree, people singing carols, a Santa. It never lets you forget it, which I loved. Let's be honest, Vanessa Hudgens isn't the best actress, but she's good enough for the role. She's good enough to play three separate characters, and you know who those characters are. Not just because they she tells you and they're dressed differently, because even when they're switching so they look like each other, you can tell who's who. So nothing about these movies are amazing. But I liked how it made me feel. It made me happy. They're very Christmassy. These are just light-hearted romances. And that's amazing for this time of year. And look, you already know if you're not the type of person to like this movie. So if you're not, don't even try. But I hope some of you do, because these are really enjoyable films. And I really hope they do a third. I hope they do a fourth Christmas Prince movie. I hope they do a crossover. Because the couple from A Christmas Prince is in the, the Princess Switch switched again, which was... Great. So the Princess Switch, switched again, gets an 8 out of 11. And yes, that 8 is 100% because it's a Christmas movie. If this was a different cast, but a same style movie, but not Christmas, it's just something sitting in, like I always say, a bargain bin at Walmart or something, probably I wouldn't even watch it. But this is fun. All right, my future friends, the final movie of the week is called The Happiest Season, and it's on Hulu. But let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watchmouth Podcast. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. 
We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, we're back. We're back for the happiest season. Yay, on Hulu. This is a holiday romantic comedy that captures a range of emotion. Wait. I'm sorry, I just straight up copied the IMDb premise, and that is sh. Okay, let's do something on the fly. Okay, so we have Harper and Abby who've been dating for a while now. And Harper is going back to her family's place for Christmas. Abby originally wasn't going to go, and then Harper changes her mind and invites her anyway. And on the way there, Harper warns Abby that she has never come out to her parents. And she has told her parents that Abby is her roommate and is an orphan who has no one to spend Christmas with, so that's why she's coming. And to add to that problem, Ted, Harper's dad, is running for governor or mayor or something, and his wife, Tipper, is very into the family's image which makes everything so much harder can abby survive this christmas this stars kristen stewart from cafe society mackenzie davis from terminator dark fate dan levy from schitt's creek aubrey plaza from parks and rec mary steenburgen from back to the future 3 victor garber from titanic allison brie from glow mary holland from mike and dave need wedding dates burl mosley from crazy ex-girlfriend and anna gasteyer from Saturday Night Live back in the 90s, I think. So this movie made a lot of noise. Uh, it did for quite a few reasons because it was it was highly anticipated because people loved Dan Levy. People loved Shit's Creek. David was the best character. David and Patrick's romance was one of the best things ever created. And just any chance to see more Dan Levy is great. Also, we had people looking forward to this because we had a Christmas movie featured around an LGBTQ couple. And as Anne and I were watching this movie, I could already see, and we could already see what people were going to complain about. Mackenzie Davis's Harper is a shitty person. If it was just the fact that she was scared of coming out to her family, that would be fine. I get that. I can understand the fact that it's a terrifying thing to do. But that's not what made her a bad person. What made her a bad person is how she treated her significant other. She treated Abby terribly. And the worst thing was that Harper just didn't get it. She just didn't get that it was more than, oh, we can't sleep in the same bed and have sex and and just be intimate. No, it's not just that. It's a fact that she doesn't know anyone in this place. She's coming as your guest. You go to this huge event, this big party, and you f***ing ditch her right away. And you just leave her alone. And then... Your ex-boyfriend comes into the picture and you start hanging out with him and you spend a night out with him drinking until three in the morning. You don't even call your girlfriend to let her know. And when you're confronted about it, you act like a huge bitch. The whole time, you have this other person, Riley, who is another one of Harper's exes, who also was with Harper while she never came out to her parents and also fully understands all the shit you went through. What's more than that is that 
when they're in high school, I think she outed her just so she didn't get outed herself. And the movie just didn't make her look like a good person. In fact, I would rather have had Abby say, you know what, F- you, I'm going to go get Riley. We're going to go and have a great time. And I also thought the movie was going to go someplace completely different because we have Ted and Tipper who are the very definition of parents that a LGBTQ youth would be scared to come out to. While the parents weren't actively homophobic much, and I say much because it seems like the the uncouth things they said came from more of a place of ignorance instead of hatred, but they're still not the warmest and most inviting people. And also, they seem very very strict and believe that there's a way you present yourself in society and there are certain things that would just shock them and that they would not want let out to the world. So you have them, you have the parents, and then you have their children, and together they make the most dysfunctional family I have seen in quite a long time on the silver screen. And on top of that, you have Harper treating her girlfriend terribly and not even trying because she's trying so hard to one-up her sisters in this constant game of being the best child so they get their parents' affection. And then you have Riley come in, someone who talks to Abby, someone who understands what Abby is going through because she has gone through something, something similar with Harper. So what I thought was going to happen and what a lot of people hoped would happen was that Abby leaves Harper, says, you know what, f*** you, goes with Riley, they live happily ever after, uh, and Harper gets what she deserves. She has to sleep in the bed she made. But that's not the movie we get. We do get a we do get a happy ending because despite the fact that they have done nothing, they have done nothing to show us that they're anything but self-absorbed ass Tipper and Ted come around. They do have their moment. They're like what what are we doing? Look at what we make our daughters do. They're fighting with each other trying to one-up each other because they think we won't love them. I wonder how they get that idea. And to this day, after watching the movie, I think the only reason that things ended the way they did is because Dan Levy shows up in the nick of time and is the catalyst for everything. The best characters in this movie were Jane, true one of the daughters, but she was just fun and happy the whole time. Abby, of course, by Kristen Stewart, who you just felt bad for the whole time. John, again, Dan Levy, because Dan Levy is amazing and should be in everything, and I love all so much. And then Riley, played by Aubrey Plaza, because she was the voice of reason that Abby really needed to hear. So even though we got the ending of a typical Christmas movie, it it didn't seem like it's going that way. And then the movie swerves out of nowhere, and then we get this ending. And while I don't necessarily mind that at all, I'll rewatch this. I like the film quite a bit. I kind of wished it went in a direction we didn't think it would go. I kind of wish that Abby would have said F you to Harper, would have left, would have not even hooked up with Riley, just said, hey, do you want to go get a drink or something? And then it fast forwards a year, and then we see them together. And then maybe, just maybe, we have Harper show up and says, you know what, I'm sorry, I came out and everything. And then it ends happy that way. But like I said, I still enjoyed this film. I I really did. It made me smile. I love seeing more Dan Levy, especially after finishing Schitt's Creek. This had a very strong cast. 
The cast was was absolutely amazing. And so we have the great cast, good idea, and slightly flawed execution, at, at least in my eyes. And that turns into a solid holiday movie. So this movie's not perfect, but if you're looking for perfection during the holidays, you're gonna have a bad time. Happiest Season gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us step into the last break as we hear word from our good friends at the We're Doing Fine podcast with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single popular culture and basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in because we're We're doing doing fine and we're back that's right we are back with the question of the week and the movies for next week so as a reminder the question of the week that you're supposed to answer for this week and remember it's never too late answer anytime the question was, what is your Christmas movie dream cast? As far as I saw, once again, I'm sorry if I missed you. I didn't see any answers outside of the household. So let's start with inside the household. We start with Anne, who says her castmate is comprised of Dan Levy, Jonathan Groff, and Anna Kendrick. And that's a great cast. Uh, we all love Dan Levy. If you don't, I question you as a human being. Jonathan Groff, same. He can sing. He can act. He's handsome. Well, Dan Levy's those things, too. I j- actually, I don't know if he can sing or not, so just uh, can act and handsome. And Anna Kendrick just makes anything better. So I would totally love to see that movie. And on to mine, I, I actually have a plot in mind. Well, not a plot, but a movie type. So you've seen, I assume, movies like Let It Snow, where it follows a couple different stories. We have movies like The Princess Switch, that has two couples in it. So this one follows two stories too. I want something similar. So it takes place in a small town night before Christmas or night night before Christmas Eve or something. And we follow these two people or two couples who aren't a couple yet, but they keep running, running into each other. And we really root for them. One couple is Florence Pugh and Kate McKinnon. I like them. I I like both of them as actresses and I think they would work really well together. Second is... 100% a stolen idea. That's Dan Levy and Noah Reed. We've already seen them. We've already seen them together on Schitt's Creek because they are David and Patrick. We already know that they have amazing on-screen chemistry. I would 100% love to see that movie. I think it would be really good. And any of you who've been listening to the show for a while, I bet you're surprised I did not say Matt Damon or Ewan McGregor, and I was going to. (laughs) I almost did. But then I realized that... For a good Christmas movie, I wanted something different. I wanted something very, very different than what you normally see out of Ewan McGregor and Matt Damon. And so I think this cast would kill it. All right, my future friends, it's time for another question of the week for next week. And I'll think of something easier. All right, you know what? Screw easier. I can't think of something easier. So what we're going to do is this. When it comes to the topic of remaking movies rebooting and remaking movies it's always touchy but is there a classic christmas movie that you think could stand to be remade you could answer no that no stay away from them they're all perfect or you could have some idea and then you give me that idea bonus points if you tell me why like what about it makes it 
worthy of a remake. So to reiterate, is there any classic Christmas movie that you think could stand a remake? And let's talk about the movies for next week. Next week, we are watching the new Disney Plus movie. That's Godmothered, and that stars Jillian Bell and Isla Fisher. And as the next movie, since Anne and I just watched all of them, I'm going to talk about A Christmas Prince 3, Royal Baby. And I will touch on all of the films. Don't worry, it won't be a super long episode. I'll just briefly mention the first two and then give my thoughts on the latest one that came out last year. I know earlier in the show I said we were going to do the prom for one of the movies, but Anne and I decided we're going to wait until Christmas Day to watch that. So... I will talk about it on the show eventually. So once again, those movies are Godmothered on Disney Plus and the third Christmas Prince movie, Christmas Prince Royal Baby on Netflix. So my feature friends, without further ado, that is it for the episode. Let us jump right into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Billiam, S-W-N. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>